The reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, beginning to read at verse 8. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favour, I will answer you, and in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads, and my highways will be raised up. See, They will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your sons hasten back, and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All you sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. Here ends the reading. The wording, lest we forget, is so often used on occasions like this, isn't it? Um, In acts of remembrance and so many other contexts, we've probably, in other contexts, we've probably heard it a number of times in the last few days. And it's to remind us that the bravery and the sacrifice of men and women who've given their lives for our country must never be forgotten and rightly so. The words, of course, are also an acknowledgement that we are prone to forgetfulness. Our memories are frail. And every time we meet together like this to worship is also an act of remembrance. We come as the family of God, conscious 
of our forgetfulness to a God who remains faithful in our forgetfulness. And as we look at God's word this morning, it's my prayer that we may, God will give us the capacity to receive this, to grasp it a fresh way, that God is faithful in my forgetfulness. You're probably aware that the, you may well be aware that the wording, lest we forget, comes from a poem, Rudyard Kipling lost his only son, John, in the war in 1915 and wrote the poem Recessional from which those words come. He also wrote some of the other iconic uh, wording, including known unto God. It's believed that he was inspired to use those words by their appearance in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in which the King James Version reads, lest thou forget. And it's believed that's where he took his inspiration from. The context is that the people of God have been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They've traveled. God has led them through the desert for 40 years. He has taught them that he is faithful and will supply their daily bread and supplied all their needs, even in the desert. And here they are, poised to enter the promised land. They're camped east of the River Jordan, ready to take uh, entry into the land, the promised land. A land it describes as a land of olive groves, wells, a land where they will have plenty to eat, houses to live in, security, a very different place from the desert. And in those chapters, in that section of Deuteronomy, Moses reminds them time and time again, do not forget, do not forget. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And just to get a flavor of it, this is, it goes on. And if you're not careful... When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. If you're not careful, that will happen. And he goes on, which to me is a very powerful uh, verse. He says this, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for he gives you the ability to produce wealth. We're not dwelling on that today, but take that with you. That's worth pondering on. He gives you not only the wealth, but he gives you the ability to produce it. Well, we know the story. What happened? They they forgot all of it as the generations went by. 
And we read so much of it in the Old Testament. And generations later, the prophets are called by God to a people who have forgotten everything and forgotten God. One of those prophets, Hosea, is given a very powerful message right at the stage before God's people were taken into exile. And in chapter 2, husband Yahweh, husband God, is agonizing over the unfaithfulness of his wife, Israel. And in one of the most agonizing passages in the Bible, we have given a glimpse of what Israel's unfaithfulness, what his people's forgetfulness meant to God. The hurt, the regret, the loss of a spouse whose partner has been unfaithful. This is what God says. She has not acknowledged, my people, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, the oil. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went off after other lovers. But me she forgot, declares the Lord. Can you feel the pain? These are passages that it seems to me take us to as far as words can go to give us an insight into God, what it means to be God. And their words, however we interpret them, we have to take them seriously. The pain, but me, she forgot. This is poetry, but these texts paint for us a picture of a God whose love for his people is such that when they forget, when they're unfaithful, it impacts him. How sad it is when the status and jobs and houses and stuff that we accumulate through life takes the place of God the giver. Not as a conscious act of rejection, but we just forget. So we come to the passage in Isaiah. Jerusalem and the temple are in ruins. Everything that gives his people their cultural, their religious identity has completely gone. Most of them, many of them, are in exile in Babylon, disorientated in an alien culture, culture who worshipped other gods. By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept as we remembered Zion. We remembered how things used to be, the relationship with God. How can we sing the Lord's song in this place? They cry. In fact, where is God? Has he just given up on us? Have we failed him and forgotten him so badly that we'll never hear from him again? He's just abandoned us. 
Like the prodigal son, they came to their senses, but they were convinced that it was too late to do anything about it. They had lost their chance. And that is the context for these wonderful chapters in Isaiah. The great, wonderful message of hope. And the passage that we had read to us begins, this is what the Lord says. This is a God who still speaks and still speaks to his people. So verse 13, but, the, but Zion, the people of God, said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Out of sight and out of mind, the regret and the anguish. God forsaken, has forsaken and forgotten us. But this is what the Lord says. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, well, it seems to me almost inconceivable, but I suppose not impossible. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. My people, despite the fact that it was you who forgot me, it is inconceivable that I could forget you. Can you take a, a cloth or a chemical or by any other means remove the engraving on stone? When something is engraved, it's there. It's there to stay. I will never forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. It is inconceivable that I could forget you, my people. It's not even conditional. This is pure grace. I have, past tense, it's there, your name's there already. I have engraved you. When you're reading this and you, you, you would expect God to say, you know, once I'm convinced that you're serious about this, then this is what I'm going to do. No, this is a God of grace. I have already, my people, engraved you on the palms of my hands. In a very different setting, a different occasion, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the disciples were gathered together in a room. And John describes the scene in chapter 21 of his gospel. They too wondered where the Lord was. They, did quest they probably were asking maybe some of the questions that the people of God in exile were asking. John says they were fearful. He said they were, they, they were afraid of the Jews. The door were locked. And you can imagine the confusion, sense of bereavement, the questions. Where has he gone? What has happened? Where is he when we need him? John tells us that Jesus came and stood among them and simply said, peace be with you. 
and he showed them his hands and his side. It's a very simple scene to imagine in many ways, but so profound. He showed them his hands, and the hands bore the marks of the nails of the cross. He showed them his hands and simply said, peace be with you. And John said they were overjoyed. With the very previous verse, they were fearful. They were transformed from fear to joy. There are times in life when we wonder where God is. It may be times like those people in the Old Testament where we have failed, we have forgotten, we have a sense of guilt and unworthiness, forgetfulness, and we feel distant from God, completely unworthy. And we find it difficult to believe that God could forgive, forgive us yet again. At other times, it can be the consequence of suffering, loss, bereavement, hurt. Is he there? Does he care? Sort this out, Lord. Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. And I get that. I understand that. But the world in which I live, what I see is unfinishedness. That's my experience. Wesley puts it this way, finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. A cry for God, finish it, Lord, finish it. Please bring closure. Finish your creation, new creation. But God, in the Old Testament, to those people in exile, he did not send in the special forces and whisk them out. Their circumstances didn't change for quite some time. They remained exactly as they were. And when Jesus met those disciples in the room, in the locked room, nothing changed. Their their circumstances didn't change. The threat from the Jews did not go away. It was still there. We have an extraordinary ability now in the developed world to fix things. With enough money, resources, technology, power, we can fix a lot of stuff. But we can't, there's a lot of things that we can't fix. And the problems and challenges that we faced when we came into church this morning, it's quite likely they'll still be there when we leave. Our circumstances may not change. But what God is calling us to this morning is to rediscover his faithfulness in the unfinishedness. 
to rediscover his faithfulness in the unfinishedness of the world in which we inhabit. And of course, if we grasp again God's faithfulness, we then have hope and we have peace. So let's hear God's message again to disorientated people who felt forsaken and forgotten, and I feel myself with them at times. Look, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I will not forget you. It is inconceivable that I could forget you. What about my son or daughter who has grown up and forgotten all this? God said, says to us this morning, I will not forget you. And he says to us, I will not forget him and I will not forget her. What about mom or dad who's lost the capacity to remember? I have engraved them on the palms of my hands. This is real. And let's join the disciples in the locked room, fearful, confused, doubting. Do you ever feel like that? Jesus shows us his hands and the marks of the nails, and he says, peace be with you. In the unfinishedness of my life, our lives, the desire for closure, all the stuff that I cannot fix. May God's Spirit touch us this morning and may we rediscover that the God that we have come to worship is faithful, entirely faithful. Shall we just bow our heads for a moment? My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. And I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you remain faithful in our forgetfulness. And you remain faithful in our unfinishedness. Give us today the capacity to take it in. Amen.